Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, over the last few episodes of our podcast, we have been exploring one of those words that you only ever hear used around the church, and that word is gospel. Now, the word gospel literally means good news, and inside of the church, it refers to the good news of Jesus. But what we've been talking about over the last couple of episodes, it hasn't exactly sounded like good news. We've been talking about sin and the way that sin separates us from God and everything that God wants for our lives. But this week, in this episode, we're getting back to the good news. We're going to see what God does to end our separation from Him. So let's get right into this episode's sermon. So we spent our time together over the last couple of weeks talking about sin. And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about what sin is, and we've learned that sin is anything that separates us from God and from God's purpose for our lives. And we've also talked about who sins, and we've heard that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we spent time talking about the consequences of sin, and we've heard that the wages of sin is death. And we've also spent some time talking about how we respond to the sin in our lives. And we've learned that there are three basic responses to our sin. We can choose to be unaware of our sin. We can choose to not care about our sin. Or we can choose to repair the sin in our lives. And then we talked about the fact that only one of these responses actually leads us back to God. And that's having our sin repaired. But then we had to talk about the fact that there is nothing that we can do on our own to repair the sin in our lives. Now i got to tell you, as I've sat back and I've thought about everything that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, I've realized that what we've been talking about, well, it hasn't been very encouraging. And I've realized that what we've been talking about hasn't been very inspiring. And I've realized that what we've been talking about, well, it isn't the kind of stuff that any of us really want to hear about. I mean, seriously, think about it for just a minute. How many of you really enjoy it when somebody tells you that you're doing something wrong? Nobody does. And it doesn't matter if it comes from your boss or your mom or your spouse or your pastor. Nobody likes being told when they're doing something wrong. And that doesn't change just because I've been churching it up over the last few weeks and saying that you're a sinner. But here's the thing. We haven't spent the last few weeks talking about sin because I wanted to drag you down. And we haven't spent the last few weeks talking about sin because I've been trying to bum you out. And we haven't spent the last few weeks talking about sin because I just enjoy stepping on your toes and calling you out for being a sinner. That's not what's been happening at all. We've spent the last few weeks talking about sin because you need to understand there's bad news before you can receive the good news. You need to understand there is bad news before you can receive the good news. And that's really what I've wanted to talk about since we started into the sermon series. I've really wanted to talk about the good news of Jesus. And of course, this leads us to a really important question. What is the good news of Jesus? What is the good news of our faith? What is the good news that keeps bringing us back to worship God week after week? What is the good news of Jesus? Now, that's a great question. In fact, it might just be the most important question that we can ask as a church. What is the good news of Jesus? But even though this might just be the most important question that we can ask as a church, well, it doesn't mean that it's an easy question for us to answer. As a matter of fact, Charles Hodge, who was once the president of Princeton Theological Seminary, has said, 
that the gospel or the good news of Jesus is so simple that small children can understand it, and it is so profound that studies by the wisest theologians will never exhaust its riches. But even though this is a deep and complex question that volumes upon volumes have been written about and sermon after sermon has been preached on, by the time we end this service today, I want you to be able to answer that question. What is the good news of Jesus? But in order to do that, we've got to boil down the good news of Jesus to its most basic element. And to get to the most basic element of the good news of our faith, we have to turn to someone who is an expert in both the bad news and the good news. We have to turn to somebody who can really understand and grasp that the good news of Jesus can change lives. So there's no better person for us to turn to, in my opinion, to explain what the good news of Jesus is than the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul, he was the foremost missionary and theologian of the first century. So Paul understands the good news, and Paul has seen how the good news of Jesus can change life. But Paul's also an expert on the bad news, because Paul lived that side of the equation out too. You see, before Paul became Paul, he was known as Saul. And Saul lived out the bad news. He lived a life that was full of death, up to the point that he was overseeing the execution of Christians just because they followed Jesus. But Paul's life was completely changed by the good news of Jesus. And Paul goes on to become the most prominent preacher and missionary of his time. So Paul knows what he's talking about when he writes a letter to explain the good news of our faith to the churches in the ancient city of Ephesus. So I want us to listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Here's what Paul says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So in these three verses, Paul recaps what the bad news is. He tells us that we are all sinners who are dead because we've been separated from God. But Paul's not going to leave it there. Paul's not going to leave us with the bad news. So in verse 4, we get to hear the good news of Jesus when Paul writes this. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It's been said that the first two words in verse 4, the words but God are the two most powerful words in our English translation of the Bible. You were dead because of your sins, but God. You used to live in sin, but God. You used to follow your sinful desires, but God. And what those two little words tell us is that our story isn't over until God writes the final chapter. Our story isn't over until God writes the final chapter. So no matter what has happened in your life up to this point, no matter how many times you've disobeyed God, no matter how far you have been separated from God, no matter how much bad news there has been in your life, your story isn't over. 
Because God has good news to write. God has good news to tell. God has good news for you. And that good news is what Paul writes about in Ephesians 2 verse 5. Let me read that for you again. Paul says, Even though we were dead because of our sins, God gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Even though we were dead because of our sins, God gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Even though we were dead because of our sins, God gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. But surely that can't be all that there is to the good news, right? I mean, we in the church, we talk about and we do so many other things that the entire gospel can't be boiled down to that, right? I mean, shouldn't there be something in this passage about serving others? Or shouldn't there be something here about the Great Commission? Or shouldn't there be something about loving your neighbor as yourself? Well, here's the thing. The book of Ephesians, it isn't the only book that Paul writes. As a matter of fact, Paul writes about two-thirds of our New Testament. And Paul actually writes a letter to another church that is wondering this exact same thing. This church has been arguing about what you have to believe or what you have to do to really follow Jesus. So Paul decides that he's going to send them a letter. And at the end of the letter that Paul sends this church, Paul reminds them of the good news that Paul told them. He reminds them of the good news that they received. He reminds them of the good news that they took a stand on. And Paul boils that good news down to the very most important thing. So right now, I want to encourage you to grab your Bible or at the very least, find a piece of paper so that you can write this passage down. Because I think you're going to want to remember this one. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 4. Here's what Paul writes. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken a stand. By this gospel, you were saved, if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So what is the good news that Paul preached? What is the good news that the Corinthians received and took a stand on? What is the most important part of the good news of Jesus? Well, Paul starts telling us at the end of verse 3 when he says that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. The good news of our faith, it boils down to that. Christ died for your sins. Christ was buried, and he was raised. Now, that may make you want to hit the like button on Facebook right now. And that may make you want to type amen into the comment section this very moment. And that may even make you want to search out the little emoji with the praising hands. And i got to tell you, if you want to do all of those things right now, go right ahead. But before you get too carried away, before you get too carried away, I have to ask you another question. Why is that the good news? Why is it good news that Jesus died for your sin, that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead? 
Why is it good news that Jesus died for your sin, was buried, and was raised from the dead? Now, don't get me wrong. The fact that Jesus was crucified and then resurrected from the dead, it is definitely newsworthy. After all, no one else has ever been resurrected from the dead. But what makes this the gospel? What makes this the good news of Jesus? What makes this the foundation of our faith? Well, to answer that question, we need to rewind a little bit. We need to go back to a time before Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. We need to go back to a time before Jesus even walked this earth. We need to go back to a time before there was any sin that needed to be forgiven. So we need to go back to the beginning. And that means that we need to go back to the book of Genesis. Because the book of Genesis is literally about beginnings. That's what the word Genesis means. It means beginning. And in Genesis chapter 2, we find the story of our beginning. The beginning of humanity in the story of Adam and Eve. And we have to go back to the story of Adam and Eve because their story shows us what God intended for us, what God wanted for us before we started sinning, before we were ever separated from God. Now, I talked a lot about Adam and Eve just a couple of weeks ago, so I'm just going to hit the high points this morning. And when you read through their story in Genesis chapter 2, you find out that God created Adam and Eve, that God created humanity, that God created us, on purpose and for a purpose. God created you with a unique identity, a unique mission, and a unique position in your life. Or to put it another way, God created you with a unique calling. And God did this. God did this because God wants your life to be filled with purpose and meaning. God wants your life to be abundant. God wants your life to make a difference. This is how Jesus, who is God made human, put it for us. He said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. God wants your life to be full of life. Now let me pause right here for just a minute because I want to make sure that you understand what I'm actually saying here. When I say that God wants you to have an abundant life, a life that is full of life, well, I'm not saying that God wants to make you rich. And I'm not saying that God is going to make sure that you never have another problem in your life. And I'm not saying that your life is going to be perfect. What I'm saying is that God wants your life to be full of things that give life instead of things that take life. But when we sin, when we are separated from God, our lives are no longer full of things that give life. Our lives start to fill with things that take life. Our lives start to fill with death. And there is nothing, nothing that we can do on our own to get rid of these things that take life from us. There is nothing that we can do on our own to get rid of the death in our lives. We cannot defeat death on our own. Only God can do that. So when Paul tells us that the most important aspect of the good news of Jesus is that Christ died for our sins that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, Paul is telling us that Jesus came to end the separation that we have from God by laying his life down in order for God to defeat the death that now fills our life. And I just said a whole lot in that one little sentence, so I want to say it for you again. Here it goes. 
Jesus came to end the separation that we have from God by laying down his life in order for God to defeat the death that now fills our life. Now let's unpack that sentence a little bit more. God wants you to have an abundant life, a life that is filled with things that give, give life. And God knows that the only way that you can have this abundant life is if you follow God's calling for your life. But you mess it up. You sin. You become separated from God and God's purpose for your life. And instead of living a life that is filled with life, well, your life becomes filled with things that are contrary to life. Your life starts to fill with death. But just because you're separated from God, that doesn't mean that God gives up on you. Just because you are separated from God, that doesn't mean that God gives up on you. God still wants you to experience the abundant life that he's planned for you. But before you can return to the plans that God has made for you, something has to happen. Something has to happen that will remove the sin from your life. Something has to happen that will end your separation from God. Something has to happen that will defeat the death that is starting to fill your life. And that something, well, it isn't a something at all. That something is actually a someone. And that someone is Jesus, God made human. So Jesus comes to this earth and Jesus experiences all of the consequences of our sin. Jesus experiences everything in our lives that is contrary to life. Jesus is betrayed by one of his closest friends. Jesus is denied by everyone else who once followed him. Jesus is abandoned and left completely alone. Jesus is accused of crimes that he did not commit and he suffers by being humiliated and tortured because of it. Jesus is oppressed by a powerful government. And he's conspired against. And ultimately, Jesus is crucified and he dies. Jesus experiences everything that is wrong with this world. Jesus experiences all of the death that has come into our lives because of our separation from God. But the story doesn't end there. Remember, the story isn't over until God writes the final chapter. And God writes the final chapter three days later. When Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And when Jesus is resurrected from the dead, God declares that there is nothing that can separate you. There is nothing that can separate any of us from God. There is nothing that can separate you from God. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love for you. There is nothing that can separate you from God's purpose for your life. And there is nothing, there is nothing that can separate you from the abundant life that God wants you to have. And God removes these things that are contrary to life, the death that is in our lives, from our lives. God shows us that even in the most desperate situations, there's still hope. God shows us that even in the face of horrific violence, there can still be peace. God shows us that even in our deepest sorrow, there can still be joy. And God shows us that even in the face of vile hatred, there can still be love. So when Jesus comes to us, when Jesus dies for us, when Jesus is resurrected from the dead, God ends our separation. God restores our purpose. God fills our life with life again. And that's the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus. Jesus came so that you can have the life that God wants you to have 
a life that is filled with life. Jesus came so that you can have the life that God wants you to have, a life that is full of life. Or, to put it another way for you, the good news of Jesus is, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But now it's up to you to receive this good news. You've heard it. You've heard that God sent his son Jesus into this world to lay down his life for you so that nothing can separate you from God and God's love for you. But you have to decide if you're going to receive that good news. You have to decide if you're willing to let God remove the death from your life. You have to decide if you're willing to follow God so that you can have an abundant life. But it's up to you. It's up to you. Now, if you're ready to receive this good news for the very first time right now, I want to lead you in a word of prayer. So I'm going to pray a few words at a time, and I want you to repeat the words that I say. So let's pray together right now. God, throughout our time together this morning, we have heard your good news. And there are people listening to the sermon right now who have heard it for the very first time, God, who are saying that they want to follow you. So God, I pray that you hear the words of this prayer now. And if you've if you've received this good news for the first time today, pray these words after me. God, I am a sinner. I have been separated from you. There is nothing I can do on my own to end that separation. I deserve death. But God, you love me too much to let that happen. You sent your son into this world for me to lay down his life on my behalf to end my separation from you. God, today I have heard that good news. I have received that good news. And I want to follow you. I want to follow you. So God, come into my life. Remove the death within me and let me live the abundant life that you created me to live. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just pray that prayer with me, we want to help you as you begin your relationship with Jesus. And we want to help you understand what it means to be one of Jesus' followers. So I want to ask you to do something for me right now. If you just prayed that prayer, we want you to visit our church's website, mhbclouisville.com slash saved. On that page, you're going to find a form that will let us know that you made this decision. Just fill that form out, and then we'll reach out to you to let you know what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to help you out as you begin your relationship with him. We also want to celebrate that good news with you because we are so thankful for what God is doing in your life. 
Hey, it's Adam again, and if you just prayed that prayer with me, I do want to encourage you to take the time and visit our church's website, mhbclouisville.com slash saved, and let us know that you made this decision, and we'll be in touch to let you know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and about the next steps that you can take in your relationship with him. I also want to let you know that next week we are starting into a brand new series of sermons that we're calling What's next? And we're going to be talking about the choices that each one of us will face that will affect our new normal as we continue to live through this worldwide pandemic. So we hope that you'll join us next Sunday afternoon when that episode drops. And as always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. So until next week, I hope that you guys have a great week this week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.